2: And the Oscar goes to. Oh, thank you so much!
3: This might be the one time I'm speaking. This is not a joke. Moonlight is one best picture. Could you double check the envelope?
2: And I can't deny the fact that you like me. Thank you, life. Thank you, love. You
0: guys are just
1: standing up because you feel bad that I fell, and that's really embarrassing, but thank you. This is nuts. It's a tie.
2: I'm the king of the world! And the Oscar goes to. Yeah, the Oscar goes and the Oscar two. goes to. And the Oscar goes to. My
1: only
2: object is here is to try and get up. of It's like a it watch like this. He's looking at you, kid. Right there, my dear, I don't give a. could have been a contender.
3: Passing
2: your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet.
3: What have I done? Call me, Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to
2: make him an offer again. The census taker once tried to test me.
3: I ate his liver. Listen you not For And nice Don't laugh! I can't stop what's coming. This ain't reality TV! I'm not falling
1: you Twitter. It's time,
3: it's fast. Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast.
1: Oscar goes to okay, Coda.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 318 of the next Best Picture podcast. I'm your host Matt Neglia. Time of recording is 10:08 a.m. on November 6, 2022. Here to join me today, I have Evo Day. Hello, Dan Baer.
1: Good morning.
3: And Daniel Howitt Hello Alright, so for this week's show We're going to give everybody a little bit of a status update On what's going on at the AFI Film Festival Here in Los Angeles Which is where I am as, as of this recording right now my flight leaves, actually, in a couple hours uh, after we're finished here.
0: Yeah, you lied, Matt. You say 10.08 a.m. I'm used to saying the Eastern Standard no, Time. No, <laughs> sir. We are on the West Coast, my friend.
3: It's <laughs> 7.08. It's really 7.08 a.m. Yes, Howard and I are suffering. I. Everyone needs to know that I am making Howard suffer. Yes. You happy now? <laughs> yes, okay. yes, thank you. I needed the validation. Fair, fair. <laughs> All right, well, we got trailers this week for The Eternal Daughter. Lady Chatterley's lover. We're going to give everybody a status update on what's going on on the Oscar race. We're going to go over the polls, answer some fan questions. Evo Day, we can start off with you this week. What have you been watching at home or at the movie theater?
2: Yeah, well, I haven't been able to go to the movie theater in this past uh, little while as much as I would like because I contracted the uh, shmerona of you know, No. Like it's okay. I'm fine. I've made a speedy recovery all as well. So in my sort of, uh, in my worst days, I was curled up in bed watching some classic horror movies around Halloween, including uh, The Wolfman, which I actually liked more than I expected. Uh, the Raven, which has both uh, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Uh, a so great good. little uh, universal horror film that I think people maybe don't know as well. The Old Dark House. Which was also fantastic. Yes. I really like. It's sort of like a precursor to the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: Oh, you had like a, a great d- Halloween Eve.
2: <laughs> I well, yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I, I guess I did. Um, and then I watched Scanners, the David Cronenberg movie. And on Halloween itself, I finally got around to watching Friday the Thirteenth, which I thought was so dumb, but still kind of fun. Um, in terms of. Uh, kind of more current films. I'd actually seen Tar last week, which I relented in the group chat that I had a terrible uh, theatrical experience, uh, which was no fault of the film, but the fault of the venue that I was at. So I uh, am probably going to have to see that again in a uh, better uh, theater. Uh, But I did really like that. I also saw My Policeman uh, just a few days ago, which was very nice. And that's about all I can say about that. And then actually last night I got out to see, uh, the Banshees of Inisharan, which I had been anticipating for so long. And I finally got to see it and I was absolutely delighted with it. It was so good. It was so, uh, kind of exactly what I expected, but in a good way, it had that perfect balance of sweetness and dark comedy uh, all the actors, I think, were brilliant. Colin Farrell, in particular, was just such a delight to watch. And uh, I, I totally understand the sort of hype around Carrie Condon as a potential uh, Best Supporting Actress nominee. She was also great. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, that film with people.
3: Awesome! I'm really glad that you had a chance to finally catch up with uh, Banshees as well. Uh, going back to your Irish roots,
2: Eve. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I it, it did feel like I was coming home. I need to like <laughs> visit Ireland like yesterday. Like I'm so I'm so drawn to it and so upset that I've never been.
3: It's so beautiful, too, the way it's photographed in this movie. yeah so
2: oh, fucking so gorgeous.
3: <laughs> I, too, feel uh, the same way where I think my first vacation that I take in seven years is going to be Ireland. I'm pretty confident in that.
2: We should do a NBP group trip. Oh, Everyone goes to Ireland. I mean, oh, the
3: whole purpose of me going on vacation is that NBP is still running, so I don't know if I would want to pull people away <laughs> from it, but <laughs> – um, yeah, no, that's awesome. You finally got a chance to catch up with that. Uh, Dan Bear. what about you?
1: What about me?
3: What about you for movie watching, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I
1: have, Well, I mean, it's hard to think about anything else when last night I saw RRR in IMAX in uh, at the AMC Lincoln Square in New York, which was just the best experience. <laughs>
3: Where does it like rank for you in terms of like theater experiences would you say?
1: It is up there. I have never been in an audience that has like screamed this much at a movie ever. I mean the closest I think I've ever gotten has been like musicals, I guess where people will like applaud after a musical number, but this it's like Every 10 minutes, people were hooting and hollering and giving it standing ovations. (laughs) It's just been incredible. It was incredible to experience that. And I mean, it is clearly one of the best movies of the year. Um, I, I was so happy to see it on an IMAX screen. It rules in IMAX, like absolutely fucking rules. I like not that it wasn't great before; it totally was. But like on that size screen with that sound coming at you from all sides, ah, it's it is the experience of a lifetime seeing that on IMAX. And I really hope that everyone, as many people as possible, get the chance to do so as this continues to do this. Like it's kind of like a roadshow thing, I guess that they're doing. They're taking it around to all these places. Well,
3: they did do the uh, screening at the TLC Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. And yeah. you know, people posted their videos of the reactions to that as well. And I think what they're just trying to do is they're just building up all this hype for it. They're really pushing Rama uh, Ramajuli, uh and They're bringing him out for Q&As and ver- uh, for events and things like that. And, you know, I got to say, like, the team that's running the campaign behind this, like, yeah, it didn't get selected for international feature, but they're not giving up on it. They're pushing it because it really is. When you think about 2022 and just movies that define the year, this has to be one of them.
1: Oh, absolutely. I it It is certainly one of the biggest box office sensations of the year. It is one of the best directed films of the year. I, I think it has like probably – if you're going through 2022 – and you came up with like a list of the 10 best movie scenes of the year, and they were all from RRR, I, I don't think I could argue with that. <laughs> I-, I I may like side-eye you a little bit, like, did you see anything else? But I don't think I could argue with it, because this thing is just so grand and just so entertaining. I, I love it a whole lot. I really hope that they continue to get the word out because this thing deserves all the awards and recognition it can get.
3: Well, that's my next question here. What do you think it can get in terms of awards recognition? What are you feeling right now?
1: Uh, realistically?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It, uh, visual effects for one thing.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: I think that's probably its best bet, honestly. I before uh, going to see it, I watched uh, one of the uh, VFX artists react to this movie, and they were gushing over it. Oh yeah. Like, uh, so uh, you know, those guys are tough to impress. So if you know, if it can make the shortlist, I think it should definitely get nominated for visual effects. I feel like that is probably its best shot. Um, Just because like when you get into like the craft categories where it really should be contending, those guilds are like (laughs) they're really insular and like it should get nominated for like editing, score, cinematography, sound. But is it when they can just go for the people that they know in Hollywood in movies that are going to be probably more widely seen? Uh, I don't know.
3: Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you know not to?
1: I do know not to, sir. (laughs) I know. I, (laughs) I have watched that scene so many times.
3: I really do think that that is a contender for original song. Maybe even more so than the visual effects, honestly.
1: I hope so. I really hope so. It would be awesome. It'd be incredible. I... If they got the two of them to perform on the Oscars, that would be the biggest coup. It's I, really
0: the thing that, that the sort of song that they go for. I feel like um, more more so than our being being a phenomenon. I just think it's the sort of song that they typically go
3: for. I mean, even if that was the only nomination that the movie received at the Oscars, it would still be worth it.
1: It it really would be. It really would be. Um, I, it, it can be difficult to get. Uh, Song's not in English nominated in that category, but it's so deserving. And honestly, like I would not be mad if this got if this pulled a, you know, Disney animated feature in the 90s and got like two nominations for best original song because
3: I, I would the, not complain.
1: The, the main theme, I do not remember what the name of it is, but like the main song that plays over the like, you know. Title card and their you know little bromance montage. Yeah,
3: yeah, also incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It is great. That that was an incredible experience.
3: And for anyone who hasn't seen RRR yet, it is streaming on Netflix. I mean, I I think we you know based on what we're all talking about here, if you can see it in a theater, do so. But if you can, it is there on Netflix for you to watch.
2: I was. This film is so, it, it really lives up to the hype. I watched it with my parents, which is, I don't think they or myself had ever seen anything like it. And my mouth was like, my jaw was on the floor, like, the whole time. And yeah. I was just, like, smiling and grinning and just, like, so happy.
1: Yeah, and, like, the thing that I do hope, though, is that people will seek out other uh Indian films other Bollywood Tollywood Mollywood you know all of the different film industries over there seek them out because th- this is just the tip of the iceberg really in terms of that Indian cinema absolutely there's so much more there to offer but this is this is a sensation right now and it absolutely deserves all of its success um, in addition to that I saw senior uh, the Robert Downey Sr. documentary was
3: so good, was so freaking good.
1: Oh I, my was, I really was not expecting to cry. Yeah.
3: No, but me neither.
1: I, I did. I, I think the thing that has really stuck with me about watching that movie is how vulnerable both Robert Downey Sr. and Jr. allowed themselves to be on camera, and I think it. Their relationship, as explored in the movie, is so deep and um, well well drawn in you know the in a ninety minute package or somewhere thereabouts, um, just really beautifully fleshed out. And I love that they, you know, they didn't delve too deep into it so that it subsumed the rest of it, but they went into it enough that like you understand the the history and how, you know, they've been able to sort of lean on each other and heal even though there was so much damage there. I, I thought that was really beautifully
0: beautifully done. It's it's so entertaining. Yeah. It's it's not just yeah. a sad documentary <clears throat> about about his late father. It is hilarious like genuinely hilarious, genuinely moving like Dan
3: said. So much of the fun of it comes from watching uh, senior, Junior, and director Chris Smith, like trying to stitch together and figure out what the movie is going to be. So you kind of get like this behind-the-scenes look at the making of it, almost while you're watching it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep, yeah, I absolutely love that.
3: Yeah, I, I think the more the more I think about it, the more like I hear the responses to this movie from people, the more I, I like. descended still feels like the safe pick for Netflix for. Uh, best documentary feature this year. But Senior, yes, it is the more, I guess, populous and broad choice, but people are really responding to it in a very strong way. So, I mean, I'm starting to wonder why not both getting in at this point? Or maybe Senior does get in over Descendant. I I, I kind of, like, I don't know at this stage. I think
0: think the hurdle is the documentary branch themselves for the nomination. I think if they can not, if they can see it not as the robert downey jr documentary um and and just accept, like if if we can get them to watch it then i think it could get nomination nominated and if it's nominated honestly i feel like that's the hurdle i feel like it could totally win when you have the the full academy mm-hmm. uh seeing these whatever the five films are and seniors one of them i i think it stands a very good chance at winning if it can get nominated
3: all
1: right absolutely how it 100% agree. It's that hurdle is getting the, the short list. Yep. Yep. Um, I also watched Wendelin Wild, which is good. Hmm. It, it, it's a lot.
3: <laughs> I was going to say that doesn't sound very glowing of you.
1: The animation, the style motion animation is kind of awe inspiring. It looks incredible. The, the, tactile quality of it I, I just love and I do think like animation wise it is something of a step up for Henry Selleck they like just let this man make more movies please like it has been too long since Coraline and like he he clearly had so many things that he wanted to do and stuffed them all into this movie and the movie kind of can't hold all of them uh, in one package unfortunately Um, I think that it's too plotty. There is just way too much going on and just sort of like seems to be making itself up as it goes in terms of the rules and mythology of what is happening, which was a little annoying. Um, But great voice performances. I kind of love the score and it looks great. Um, But overall, I'm just kind of like, okay on it. And I also saw... James Gray's Armageddon Time, which you can find all my further thoughts on on the podcast review, which we posted yesterday.
3: Yeah, definitely take a listen to that for sure if you have not. Howitt, what I want to do for you is I want to save AFI talk for another section here. So is there anything outside of AFI that you saw this week?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been taking advantage of being in LA, getting some uh, some smaller films that haven't made its way to Vegas yet, where I'm where I'm based. So, uh, so yeah, I saw uh, I saw Decision to Leave finally, um, which is just so good, so entertaining and thrilling. Um, the editing in Decision to Leave, particularly, is just really phenomenal, and production design. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous movie just it it creates this world that just draws you in um so yeah i i really really love decision to leave thought that was phenomenal um so saw that i saw holy spider another serial killer well not serial killer but uh or decision to leave isn't about a serial killer you know what i mean uh holy (laughs) spider
3: is it's early it's 7 a.m people 7 a.m give me a break uh
0: but yeah holy spider is a serial killer thriller and um yeah, I really, I really loved it. I thought it really kept me on the edge of my seat. I don't, it's not, it's not nearly as stylish and flashy as something like Decision to Leave, uh, but it's still a really great thriller on its own. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm guessing as as most Americans, I didn't know anything about this case uh, in Iran, and um, and so it really kind of kept me on my toes. I, I like, I liked the way that they uh, framed it uh, with the perspective of the detective and the killer at the same time. Um, And so I was it was disturbing uh, in the right way, but uh, but really, really grisly and and twisty. And so, yeah, I I really enjoyed that as well. Uh, I think those are the only things outside of AFI that I've really um, seen in the recent days. Uh, Last week, I finally caught Tar, um, which I loved. I, I loved that movie. It's so epic in scope but really intimate as well. And the the thing I kept thinking about, um, as I was watching it is how it's a biopic. I mean, it's fictional, but it's, it's this story of a, of a quote unquote famous artist. And it just kept highlighting how, you know, it's made with such artistry and depth. And, um, and it just kept highlighting how terrible real uh, biopics are these days. Like about, uh, you know, you got the Bohemian Rhapsodies and, um, you know, I'm looking. I haven't seen. I want to dance with somebody yet. But judging from the trailer, I think it's more or the same. And so it's just seeing this fictional biopic um, told the way it was. It makes me want better biopics when they're made of artists that we do know and love, instead of just listing off dates and checking boxes of important events. But like actually digging into the psyche of a person the way Tar does.
3: But I think the reason why that that works so well is because. And I feel this way about the best of biopics is that they focus on a very specific point in uh, the subject's life. And the specific point of Tar is not the rise in the fall, but just the fall. Totally. And I love that we start the story with her on top of the world. And the movie is just all about this rapid descent. Yeah, I think.
0: And it's masterful. I mean, it's just masterful. And. Kate Blanchett is as good as she always is, or maybe even better. I mean, she she's just phenomenal. Um, yeah, I was just kind of really knocked out by the movie. I thought it was phenomenal.
1: Sounds like y'all need some weird in your life. <laughs> I really want to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's fun. It's so
3: much fun. I was going to say it's uh, now streaming on the Roku channel, which I know is going to be hard for some people to probably <laughs> access.
1: But we're <worth> but... <laughs>
3: If they do get a chance, they should watch it and you should watch it with friends, too.
0: OK, let me ask, had had they given it? I know they're not really releasing it in theaters. I think it is technically uh, Academy qualified or Oscar qualified. No, so Emmys. It's not Emmys. Unbelievable. OK, Yep. well, do you think do you think if they had given it a Oscar qualifying release? I know, obviously, Daniel Radcliffe isn't getting nominated or anything, but
1: uh, do you think they could have gotten a song in?
3: Uh maybe.
1: Possibly it's a new yeah, song and it's hilarious, but it's specifically an end Credit song. Sure, sure. So it's it's always tough.
3: Well, for myself this week, I have nothing to report because I am in LA and I am taking it easy on myself. I, I literally only watched two films while I was out here. Both of them are AFI related, so let's get over to that conversation really quick here. 18 plus. Uh, So for myself, I'll start off with when I got here to L.A., I saw the newly recut version of Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, which is now currently playing in New York and L.A. in theaters and will be coming to Netflix early December. I will say this, the new cut that I saw played a lot better than the first time. I understand, and I understood the first time, everything that Alejandro González and two was going for with this movie, that was not lost on me. I do think it is incredibly dense still and almost impenetrable at times. Like, if you try to figure out what all the visual symbolism and the metaphors all mean, it probably will make for a lesser experience, potentially, Um, You kind of just need to like give yourself over to it, like let let it just like hypnotize you and take you away on this now two and a half hour, you know, epic journey uh, of what what they call basically a state of mind. It it really is a movie about being caught in between uh, two different things and whether that's the United States and Mexico, life and death, or in terms of identity, uh, cultural heritage, um, unconsciousness and consciousness. So there's a lot going on in there, um, but I, I I still like I, I still feel like in its imperfection, that's what kind of makes the movie also work. Uh, but a lot of people have different readings on it, which is which is I find you know fascinating. Uh, do I think it's gonna bounce back uh, from the critical bashing it received at Venice? I do. Um, it's still rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Last I checked. Uh, but I think that it's very possible, given how much uh, strength Netflix is putting behind it right now, I could still see a world where this is contending for international feature, cinematography. I mean, the work by Darius Kanji in this is just incredible. It really um, is. And Alejandro gonzalez Ingari too. I could see a world where he does make it in with the director's branch because they might enjoy this – Fellini-esque, you know, artful introspection as an artist, as a human being, as somebody who's closer to the end of his life than he is to the beginning, something tells me the director's branch might warm up to that. But that's kind of my ceiling for it. I don't see it getting into anything else like picture or things of that nature. Uh, how it? this was your first time watching it. How did it play for you?
0: Um, I liked it. Uh, definitely didn't love it, but I liked it. It's, um, it throws a lot at the wall. Um, there is a lot going on in this movie and at times nothing at all going on in this movie. Um, but it, it it's just, it's kind of uh, absurd intentionally. Um, I, I don't, it, it tries to strike this balance between absurdity and profundity. And I'm not sure that, I'm not sure how often it leans into the profound, but, um, mm-hmm. The crafts are so genuinely phenomenal, just all around. The, this movie is so incredibly well made um, that it does it did it did draw me in, especially the cinematography, um, the production design, visual effects, the sound. It's it's very very well done. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that I got what the movie's trying to say. Uh, at least not most of the time. I got I got some of what it's trying to say. Uh, but it's just trying to say a lot. It's trying to do a lot, and so yeah, I can't compare it to the original cut because um, I I didn't see it. But uh, this cut was good. Um, I'm like a, I'm like a soft seven on it, um, and yeah, I think um, I don't know. I kind of feel like we're just o- overthinking international feature, and it's just going to be Bardo, and that's just the way it is. I, I that's kind of it's kind of where I'm at right now. I will I will call myself out. And uh, say what I said in our group chat as soon as the movie ended, because uh, I'm still feel, still sort of feeling it. I think Daniel Jimenez Cacho uh, gets nominated for Best Actor. Wow. Um, I'm kind of feeling that. Uh, I wouldn't bet money on it, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like the sort of thing they go go for. First of all, there's always a non-English language nominee, right? Um, well, not always, right. But, uh, quite often there is. And, um, you know, last year y'all doubted me with Penelope Cruz and, uh, and she made it in. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling that he could get some love. Now, obviously, if the Academy just kind of rejects Bardo and it doesn't get anything outside of, you know, cinematography and, and international—that's a different story. But I—I I feel like if they go for it, especially if it's getting nominated in director, maybe even picture. Although I kind of doubt that. Um, I, yeah, I think I think Kachuk could could get in. It's it's a it's a very regardless of what you think of the film, the his performance is pretty wonderful, and he's in like every frame of the, this movie, um, and it's a long freaking movie. So, yeah, so that's kind of why I I think he's got a good shot at getting nominated.
3: Okay. Interesting. Uh, the only other film that I saw, and then I could pass the baton over to Howitt because he's seen a little bit more, um, and Howitt, you saw this with me last night, uh, we both saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, mm-hmm. which is just a pure cinematic wonder. It's a joy. It's everything you could possibly want from a master storyteller. It, it really reminded me especially of... The kind of filmmaking and storytelling you get when you watch, like, a classic Steven Spielberg film, like, you just know you're in the hands of somebody who is that good at telling a story rooted in character with very, very, very mature and dark themes. Uh, This is definitely the darkest version of Pinocchio, I think, that we've ever seen. Um, So much so that, Howard, I meant to ask you this question. Would you show this to your kids mm-hmm. or would you recommend other parents to show it to their kids when it hits Netflix?
0: Yeah, I haven't I haven't decided. Somebody on Letterboxd asked me if their seven year old would be freaked out by this to to that. Th- that was their, the way they actually phrased the question to that. I would say for sure. No, a seven year old. Uh, no, they wouldn't be freaked out. Um,
3: but it's got some very heavy themes in it. it.
0: It does have heavy themes, but but I was pleasantly surprised um that the movie isn't as strange as Guillermo del Toro could be, if that makes sense. Like um, this isn't, you know, Pan's Labyrinth is the sort of uh quote unquote family movie that, uh, that I was wondering if Pinocchio would be where it's kind of not d- disturbing. It's not the right word, but for a kid could be disturbing. You know what I'm saying? That's Pan's Labyrinth. And that's kind of what I was thinking Pinocchio would be. And no, not at all. It's, it's, it's a pretty lovely movie. Like I would consider my kids are only are only four, so they're they're definitely on the young side. Um, but no, I would consider showing this to them. It's it, it might just be a little more more mature that they might check out, but they wouldn't be. I don't think they'd be scared or or anything uh, by this movie. There's nothing there's nothing disturbing about it, right? Uh, do you agree with that, Matt?
3: I think that there are some moments with the Italian fascist like backdrop, which. You know, there's like usage of guns and things like that. I don't know. I think I think parents is uh, going to be
0: lost on some, on on younger
3: kids, at least. Right. You but know? some parents might still find that that's a little too much for their kids. Sure. sure. Totally. Which I which I can understand.
0: But but overall, I mean, it, it really um, I think this is a very accessible animated film. I think I think your comparison to Steven Spielberg is right. Not not that it feels like a Spielberg movie, but it just feels like. A, a man who knows exactly how to how to grab hold of an audience, and captivate them, and right. and it is just it's just beautiful.
3: I mean, some of the animation in this too, like the way that the camera moves through certain scenes, uh, it feels very live action instead of stop motion animation at times. Yeah. Um, also, too, props to the animators because the facial acting that they did for Geppetto in this movie is like some of the best stop motion performance work I've ever seen. Um, there was like real nuance going on with the perf- – I, I keep saying the performance like, like like it is done by an actor. But also too, David Bradley's voiceover performance was heartbreaking in this movie too. Uh, Alexandra Desplat's score is just as lovely as you would imagine it is. I, I think this is an across-the-board contender for various categories outside of animated feature. And out of all of the movies I've seen from Netflix this year – and I have seen all of them now – Uh, White Noise, Bardo, Glass Onion, This All Quiet on the Western Front. Like, I really, really believe that this is probably their best shot at getting nominated for Best Picture because it plays so incredibly well, so broadly, while also having a familiar story that's been updated in a a very unique way that retains its timeless quality, uh, but also gets you thinking about the story in a way that you've never thought about it before.
0: Yeah, I... I just don't know. I, I agree with you overall. I haven't seen Glass Onion or White Noise yet. Um, I, I'm just wondering if Netflix can really do it and break Pinocchio into picture. I think it's totally deserving. And I think, you know, if it was a, if it was from another studio, I would have a lot more confidence. Um, I think a oh,
3: box. So, so, Fox so Fox. what you're telling me is that if it was Disney.
0: <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, if it was,
3: you know. Uh, if it was – what I mean is if it was getting a theatrical – a real theatrical release. See, I think the secret weapon though is Guillermo. All they got to do is get him out and get him talking because totally. literally every word that comes out of that man's mouth is sheer perfection. And mm-hmm. it, you can't help but just fall in love with his love for cinema. And I
0: totally
3: agree. Wh- like I said, once he gets like talking during a and a or an event, whatever it is. I mean we saw this play out with Shape of Water and with uh, Nightmare Alley. So the guy is just yeah, so lovable. I agree. I
0: agree. I, I I think it would be remarkable for Pinocchio to make it in the picture. I mean, that that's history right there. That is groundbreaking. Well, no,
3: no stop motion animated film has ever gotten nominated before, but it would be the fourth animated film. No non-Disney, which yeah. I think is the most important. That's, that's the biggest groundbreaking thing, f- in, in my opinion,
0: is having a non-Disney animated film getting nominated for Best Picture. That's... That's wild and, um, and, and long overdue. I think that would be amazing.
1: For people who aren't particularly fond of the Pinocchio story or have no connection mm. to real, you know, love for it, do you think it still plays really well?: I,
0: Yes, I do. It's very different from the Disney animated film um uh like matt already alluded to it's got the fascist background um uh it's really uh, it's really a lot about mortality in ways that i wasn't expecting um and grief and um yeah it, it really put a new spin on the story in a lot of different ways i mean the 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 frame of the this Pinocchio story that you know is is there for sure. So if you just hate that story, you know, I don't know what to tell you. but i I, I do think it adds a lot of new layers to it um that make it worthwhile. like it it, it my wonder, my wondering this whole time was, you know why why do another Pinocchio? And I, I think he kind of makes it he makes a pretty strong case for why this movie should have been made.
3: So yeah, cool. Well, that was it for me for AFI. So, how it? What else have you caught up with at the festival?
0: Well, I've seen like eleven movies. Um, uh, I guess I'll just kind of breeze through them. I've seen a lot of the uh, foreign contenders. Um, I finally saw EO yesterday.
3: Yay! Pretty
0: great. Um, yes. I, it didn't. It didn't uh, land for me. I think as strongly as I hoped, but it's gorgeous. I mean, the cinematography is some of the best of the year. I think. Um, so that was good. I saw Joyland, which was very, have have any of you seen Joyland yet? No, Uh, I'm going to try and watch it this week though. It's, it's so, it's, it's great. It's a great movie. It's so surprising. Um, it, you know, it's, it's Pakistan's submission and I am just shocked. Um, maybe I shouldn't be, but I mean, it's, it's a very queer film. Um, and for, so for that to be Pakistan's submission, Ah, uh, it's pretty remarkable. So, so that caught me off guard, and it's a good, it's a great movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, quite good story. So, uh, so I saw that. I saw No Bears, which uh, I really loved. That's one of my favorite uh, uh, non-English language films of the year. Um, yeah, just very. It's it's. I'm I'm very frustrated that the Academy isn't even addressing the fact that they, that they're just accepting Iran's decision to jail its filmmakers and therefore not not uh, consider no bears for an Oscar
3: for, for uh, international feature. Uh, well, I mean, technically, the country has to submit it.
0: Right, that's what I'm saying, and the Academy is just choosing to accept that. The Academy makes their own rules. <laughs> so, you know, it's not just, oh, the country didn't submit it. Well, yeah, it's because those are your own rules. Change the rules, y'all. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, they jail a filmmaker, and so the Academy says, well, guess we're not nominating that filmmaker anymore because the country jailed them. Like, that's that's unconscionable.
1: Uh, I mean, the director's branch could still choose to nominate him if they wanted to. It's just that international feature. And I agree, it. I think that the rules of, like, one per country, the country has to submit it. There is so much ridiculousness and politics involved in that that I think that they should seriously consider changing it. Yeah. But
0: yeah yeah obviously it can contend in other categories uh frankly it's not uh, it's not good enough to 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 contend it's not it's not going to break through that way but i really love the film a lot uh really really phenomenal um uh you know i saw bardo uh, senior like we already talked about i did finally catch uh the two movies about uh females chatting um <laughs> so uh, i saw she said which was um really wonderful i that's i I'm debating between she said and senior as my favorite that I've seen so far of the festival. Um, uh, man, she said is it's just engrossing. It's very straightforward, a lot more straightforward than I expected. Um, it's really not concerned about the, the journalists themselves, but it's just, it's just about the case. They're on the case and they're cracking the case and that's that. Um, but it works. It just works really well. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was really, really strong. Um, And then the other one was Women Talking. Saw that yesterday, which was beautiful. And um, I really anticipated something so stagey. And it's just not at all. It's so engaging. And, I mean, hands down, it's one of the best scripts of the year. I mean, there's no way that loses adapted screenplay. I don't know what could even challenge it. It's just, uh, yeah, so well-written, stunning. Um, I don't love the color grade on the movie. Uh, I know other people have commented on that, and uh, yeah, the cinematography is great, uh, but the color grade is is quite bad. Um, but otherwise, that's that's one of my only complaints about the film. I think it's I think it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's that's about all I've seen thus far. Oh, I I didn't mention uh, the worst film of the festival. Uh, man, I finally saw the sun, and y'all, I oh my I'm god. Gonna- I'm an easy, <laughs> I'm an easy critic, okay? I yeah, you are. I would agree. I'm a very easy <laughs> critic. I am light. I'm light on movies. Like I, I go easy. I, I had my head in my hands and not in the way that the filmmakers wanted throughout this Ow. movie. I was rolling my eyes. I mean, it's, it's really, truly terrible um i i i genuinely was so surprised at how actually terrible it was um the writing is laughable like genuinely i was laughing uh in these deeply what are meant to be deeply emotional moments and the the dialogue is terrible um Hugh Jackman is is a is a bright spot i think his performance is good he does he does what he can the dialogue that's coming out of his mouth is pretty rough but he he does his best to sell it so uh, so I do think he's a bright spot. Um, but otherwise, man, throw this all out. This was really bad. And I, I want to be gentle. The The young actor at the center, uh, the titular son, um, he, he tried his
1: best. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Yeah, he I, tried his best. I cannot wait to see this movie.
2: <laughs> Me too. I'm <laughs> so astounded by it. When those reviews started coming out and people are just... It sounds like I don't even know how to describe what people are saying about it other than it just sounds awful, but I can't really quite wrap my head around how until I see it. Has there ever been such a like monumentous sophomore like <laughs> like awful? achievement? Mm-hmm. Like in a bad way, I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. I feel I like don't the know. no, like I
2: know. Just, I mean, I'm sure yeah. li- like there has, but this is just in comparison to just the praise that he received for his first film zeller i'm talking about um it's just astounding
0: eve honestly that's that's kind of how i felt when i when i was reading some of the reviews like i said because i'm a pretty i'm a pretty easy critic i i was honestly reading the reviews and going okay it's not that bad chill everybody like maybe it's not you know oscar worthy but i'm sure it's fine that's what i was kind of assuming because it does look fine from the trailers and um and boy, I mean, it—it it wow. is just not good.
2: I have is, to say, I'm very intrigued.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's—it's it's the script. It's really the script. Like it's—it's oh, no. it's, the script is truly and and the lead act, uh, not the lead, the uh, the the kid in the movie is um,
3: unfortunately just sure. not very good. I'm sorry, sorry to that man, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I also was kind of uh, astounded that it's a step down visually from the father as well. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's well,
1: that's boring. Sort of It was sort of my thing about when he announced that that was the next film he was making, I was like, people need to kind of lower their expectations a bit because knowing – I have not read or seen the play, but knowing what I do know about it, I know that it is not – The father does something really interesting structurally that you that you does not happen with this story. This is a very straightforward Mm -hmm. family melodrama.
0: Yep. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. It (laughs) is it is so straightforward that, you know, you know where it's going from the moment the movie starts, you know exactly what's going to happen. Um, there's yes yeah, structurally there's nothing special that's what everybody loved about the father let's be realistic here yeah. they loved anthony hopkins performance and they loved the remarkable structure um and none of that is here well anthony hopkins is in the film but <laughs> he might be the best scene <laughs> in the movie honestly I mean, <laughs> yeah yeah
2: i've heard people describe it as cruel like it's a cruel film
3: well um, so you know how like Howard said that you know where this movie is going from the jump yes i I do think that it is kind of like this slow, inevitable, like, death march. Yeah. And it's just depressing. And It is depressing. It doesn't have anything new to say, in my opinion. Um, but I do find merit in the fact that, like, it is a conversation starter and it will get some people talking about the issues in the movie because I do think it is a topic that people just don't talk about openly that often.
0: I don't. I disagree. I've heard people say that, too. I we think we have had more open conversations around depression and even suicidality. Like, I feel like, I feel like these things are talked about these days, uh, like more, of course there's still sig- stigma. Of course, people don't want to talk about their own
3: struggles, but I think like how it, I think it's generational. I mean, like I think right. a younger generation is more open to talking about it, but the past generation that is like, you know, Hugh Jackman's age and things like people in that, like, uh, age range I still think they are the ones that are still resistant yeah. towards it and that, that's who this movie is for
1: and it's really yeah. like, the blue hairs who have sort of seen it are like loving it right oh
2: dear
3: yeah, no, yeah. it's definitely skewing older and yeah. older audiences are responding to it much more strongly than younger audiences yeah I, w- I wouldn't be shocked
0: I-, I think Hugh Jackman is still solidly in the conversation because he is the best part of the film uh, yeah So uh, I think I think he's still solidly as of right now, solidly getting nominated. You know, we'll see what
3: happens. I mean. His final moment in the movie is pretty great, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the scene itself is atrocious. It really
0: is. It really is. Oh, man. So, yeah. So that was that was the worst film of the festival for me. So today um, I still got three more films left. Actually, four. Um, I'm seeing um, I'm seeing The Eternal Daughter today as well as Living and then wrapping it up with The Fablemans this evening.
3: Okay, great. And speaking of The Eternal Daughter, that's one of our trailers here. Let's uh, talk about that really quick. So this is uh, written and directed by Joanna Hogg. It premiered at the Venice International Film Festival. It's played at Toronto and also in New York. uh, And it is being released in theaters on December 2nd by A24, starring Tilda Swinton. Let's take a look, give some thoughts. Mom, we're here. We'd like to check in, please. My mother has a relationship with this house. She was here when she was young. Are we the only people staying here?
1: I don't know. They definitely got the atmosphere of the movie down pat.
3: Yes. As someone who has seen the movie, and Dan, I know you saw it with me, I definitely think that this trailer is accurately selling what the movie is selling.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the you have this movie that... The only things this movie has going for it, honestly, are the atmosphere and Tilda Swinton and and kind of the score. I, I really like the score. Um, I and this movie is the trailer is selling exactly those things.
2: I had no idea this is what the film was. I had only heard the title and knew that it was a Joanna Hogg film, so I literally knew nothing before watching this trailer. And I was like, oh, that's this is what this is. Well that's kind of interesting and maybe this isn't a good thing because the first thing it reminded me of just tonally was uh, men like the film from Alex Garland just just in the in the fact that there's uh, one actor doing multiple roles and sort of the moodiness of it. But I'm sure thematically it has nothing to do with that. But um, I am intrigued. I will say.
3: Yeah, it's I liked it a bit more than Dan at New York for sure. Um, but it's it's definitely a vibe. It, it also harkens back to I, I felt like classic 1950s like horror movies in terms of its aesthetics and its mood at times. Nice. So it's not like a overt horror movie that modern audiences would appreciate, but it's not
2: horror at all. No, yeah, it kind of it, I <laughs> could kind of tell that it's sort of marketing itself as a horror film, but I'm like I don't I don't think that's what this is. No, 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 it's like not. It, it's there's
3: like no like jump scares or anything like that. Yeah. It's more just about mood and atmosphere. And that's like my favorite thing about it actually is I love the production design. I love the the cinematography. Yes. I yeah. love the yeah. sound design.
2: Tilda I'm,
3: Lee Swinton. I'm so curious uh, how I'm gonna feel when I see it this
0: afternoon because uh, I've never seen a single Joanna Hogg movie. I never saw the Souvenir or its sequel. So,
3: Howard, here's what I'm gonna tell you right now: <laughs> um, it's a short movie, but it's definitely slowly paced. Mm-hmm. It is a mood piece. So you kind of just have to vibe with it. Um, I do think Tilda Swinton's performance will be captivating enough that you'll be into it. Uh, but it's not a movie that has like these big moments or jolts of energy or anything like that. You kind of just need to let it like mesmerize you with got the it, way that it's it. presented. Yeah. It. So, so, so I'm going to hate it, right? Okay. I, I, I kind of <laughs>
1: think you will, but you know. <laughs> fingers crossed. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk after you see it how it (laughs) I
2: love how in modern film criticism we can just describe something as a vibe and be like, Yeah, yeah, got it. Right, (laughs) right. I know what you mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is a vibe of a movie. Nice like you need to get on its wavelength. And like I was even able to get on its wavelength at times, but I just thought that ultimately there was just not enough there there.
3: The best scene in the movie is one that's in the trailer, which is like this birthday scene. Uh, with yeah. Tilda Swinton and her mother, who's also played by Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, so it, it, it's fun watching Tilda, like, act opposite herself and to see how Joanna Hogg structures these scenes and how she shoots and edits them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I get what Dan is saying, ultimately. I liked it a little bit more. I'm still not, like, you know, effusive in my praise for it, necessarily, but um, I, I definitely, as Eve said, uh, I vibed with it more
1: (laughs) yeah it has like the vibe of those old school like english manor house haunted
3: that's what i was getting at yeah
2: you guys are selling
1: this (laughs) no but like it has that it it has that vibe but it is telling an entirely an entirely different story and the story for me is where i grew incredibly disinterested
3: that's fair that's totally fair all right well uh that'll come out on december 2nd i'm actually surprised that they are releasing it this year i thought they were gonna hold it
1: yeah i thought that was what they were doing too but hey go for it yeah i mean maybe that's when they're doing the um like maybe you know limited release and then opening wide or wider in 2023 i don't know
3: yeah, because they kind of have to platform release this. This is not a movie that you release wide at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, there's one other thing I want to touch upon just ever so briefly here. Did you guys get a chance to look at the 2022 British Independent Film Award nominations this week? Yes. So After Sun led with 16 nominations, followed by Blue Jean with 13. Uh, other films that were represented in the Best British Independent Film category were Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, Living, and The Wonder. And they all got nominations pretty much across the board. Like you look in every single category and these films like popped up here and there. I was happy to see Emily uh, pop up too, which I haven't seen yet. But I know, Dan, you're a big fan of it.
1: Oh, yes. I was so glad to see her nominated. And I think it was also up for Best Ensemble, mm-hmm. um, which is an excellent, excellent choice for that category. Um, I was a little disappointed it didn't make it into even more categories than it did but so happy to see that recognized because it's one of the best films that i've seen this year yeah
3: yeah i mean there's a lot of great really good films that if you haven't had a chance to see like stuff like brian and charles or uh, flux gourmet or um eve men is mentioned here as well um a few times uh god's creatures uh being another one but One other category I do want to, like, kind of draw everyone's attention to is the best international feature uh, independent film category. And in there are All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Close, Decision to Leave, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and The Worst Person in the World.
0: What a category. Yeah, right? (laughs) God, the worst person in the world. Can we just flash back to last year for a second? What a uh, good – what a movie. What a
1: oh film. What a uh, film.
3: I cherish my Criterion Blu-ray of that movie so much. Uh, I want to nominate that again this year.
1: Yeah, seriously.
3: <laughs> <laughs> One of the coolest, best reactions to an Oscar nomination ever, Dan Bear crying <laughs> over worst person in the world and getting nominated. <laughs> I love that I wanna know, so much. I want to know when I'm going to get to see all the beauty
0: in the bloodshed because I'm I'm just kind of curious, uh, and I feel like it hasn't gotten around
3: that much. So They're I, slowly you know, rolling it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it'll get around. It's just slowly getting around, but it'll it'll get there. Uh, but I I wanted to draw attention to this category because once again. Kind of like with it showing at the Gotham uh, nominations, everything, everywhere, all at once. There it is again. Mm-hmm.
1: It is definitely proving that it has what it takes to break into uh, best picture.
0: Just looking at this nominate, these nomination lists. It, it, there,
3: the Russo brothers scored a nomination. I'm curious. No. Will Mavity was very, very, very clear about this. Okay. No. (laughs) Okay. They do do not have the producer credit needed for the uh, Best Picture nomination if it were to happen.
0: Are they just executive producers? Exactly.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. But I want to be very clear about that because (laughs) – I'm sorry, but like every time they open their mouths in an interview somewhere, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I don't want you guys anywhere near – this level of recognition. Sorry. I just don't think that they're... They
0: need to shut their mouths. I just
3: don't think they're good champions of cinema the same way that a Ryan Johnson, a Guillermo del Toro, an Edgar Wright, a Martin Scorsese, you know, it's like...
1: The Daniels even. Like, ex- yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs> now there's a filmmaking duo that we should be supporting. Amen. All right. Let's take a look at our second trailer here and then we'll get over to the polls and then we'll answer fan questions. Lady Chatterley's Lover had its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival. It's actually playing at AFI as well. It's coming to Netflix on December 2nd, stars Emma Corrin and Jack O'Connell. Let's take a look at the trailer. We'll give our thoughts on this one.
2: I, Constance Reed, take you, Clifford
0: Chatterley.
1: Hot sex.
3: (laughs) I'm telling you all, if this was not a Netflix film, I think this would have gotten slapped with an NC-17 rating. There is so much sex in this movie. Yes. uh, Which is fitting for the source material that it's based on. It's a very steamy uh, film in in many, many ways. Um, I I thought it was quite good. I didn't think it was great. But um, Emma Corrin is excellent in this. And the chemistry with Jack O'Connell is just... Oh, my God. It's fire. Just straight up hot
2: (laughs) I have to say this does seem like the kind of film I would not like I'm not really a like kind of person that's drawn to like oh the woman and she's like married to a guy she doesn't love so she has an affair with like the hot guy that works on her oh no Eve I'm
3: the same way yeah it's
2: not my kind of film so I don't think this is gonna be exactly for me I will still watch it um and I'm actually, I'm very intrigued by the literature of D.H. Lawrence. And especially after watching this trailer, I've just been, you know, just doing a little research. I feel that. Yeah. I, also,
3: I also think, too, that uh, Laura de Clermont uh, Tonnerre, I think that's how you say her name. Uh, I really did like the Mustang quite a bit. And I feel like the visual style of Lady Chatterley's lover is another element where... Like you know, we were talking earlier about women uh women talking, uh women yeah, women talking's color grading. And there's a lot of that going on here as well. It's very teal, lots of blues, very like kinda of like a desaturated color palette at times. But it worked a little bit better here for me than in something like women talking. I mean the cinematography is by uh Benoit uh Delholm. And a good cinematography. Uh, ben- Benoit did the Fury of Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like an established visual look when you think of like stuff like at Eternity's Gate or the Fury of Everything and now this. Uh, So there's a visual consistency there, I think.
1: I'm really excited for this movie.
3: Did you like read the book or?
1: I have read the book. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, quite a long time ago. I believe it was in AP English um, in high school. And yeah, uh, very much looking forward to it very much looking forward to jack o'connell
3: oh you'll see jack o'connell i promise I,
1: you I, I, oh i am <laughs> aware. you'll
3: see him you'll see emma you'll see everything
1: <laughs> wow nothing will be left unseen Goodness this gracious. has been one of my most anticipated films of the year since it was announced wow <laughs> okay
2: does um does part of this film take place in venice yes based on the trailer i thought i saw it looked some... like it yeah Because I was like, oh, my God, this is the second period piece that Emma Corrin is starring in where an illicit love affair takes place. Oh,
3: that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And for those that don't know, uh, she's referring to my policeman. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a really funny connection. I didn't think of that, but you're right.
1: (laughs) I forgot that they went to Venice and my policeman, but then again I forgot a lot about that movie the second it was over. So
3: Well hopefully you won't forget anything about Lady Chatterley's lover, so
1: I just based on the trailer, I'm already not forgetting certain things about it. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, oh man, there will be a lot of Netflix pausing and screen grabbing, I'll tell you that Oy. right now.
1: God bless Netflix. Very honestly. much a a,
2: a <laughs> hot topic on film Twitter about How we, like as a current society, are very averse to sex in movies. And I feel like this year in particular has really opened that conversation a little bit more. And this film will contribute to that in a big way.
3: I agree with you on that for sure. Um, This is still a UK production, though. And I, I think that countries outside the United States don't seem to have as much of a problem with it as we do. Oh, sure. And it is something that like I I wish that like more of the Hollywood studios and, you know, I I just wish that we would be a little bit more open to it. Like you said, Eve, because it it is, you know, it's part of life. And I I don't understand why we are so adverse to it still today.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, This movie does not have that problem at all. Um, (laughs) I'm excited for you all to check it out. It will be on Netflix on December 2nd. And now let's head on over to the polls, uh, where for last week, for Halloween, basically, uh, we asked everyone, what is their favorite horror movie of 2022 so far? So, Dan Baer, we'll start off with you. Favorite horror film from this year? X. Ooh, good choice.
1: I mean, like, there, I don't think there's ever been a horror, like, one-two punch, like, X and Pearl ever let alone in the same year <laughs> that to me is insane yeah but x is it, it, that movie is so much fun it's so wild and genuinely scary at times i loved it and mia goth is just fucking performance of the year across those two movies like wow i
3: still think she's gonna win a joint Best Actress prize from some prominent critics.
1: Somebody. Group,
3: either National Society of Film Critics or lofka One of them is doing it. I, I'm telling you right Somebody, now. Somebody,
1: please. I mean, she deserves.
3: Daniel Howitt, how about you?
1: The Black Phone. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yes. I,
0: I really dug this movie. I caught it like way after, like towards the end of its theatrical run. Um, and man, yeah, I was really into it. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, for for Spooky Season. I was reading a ton of Stephen King novels um, and obviously the black phone is based on a Joe Hill short story, his son. And so, yeah, I just dig the Stephen King ask vibes. Um, You know, I thought it was really engaging. I thought the kid in the movie was really great. Um, Yeah, it's like it's just small, straightforward to the point and really effective.
3: Um, yeah, so I really dug it. All right. Evo day. Pearl. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen it.
2: Just such a, like, Why? Wow. I love mo- horror movies that are a little stupid and like Pearl <laughs> does get a little stupid at times, but like in the best way possible. And yeah, Mia goth is just literally insane. She's just like going 110% the whole time. It's also, like, stylistically beautiful. It would make such a great double feature with The Wizard of Oz. Um, it has a lot of, like, film history uh, aspects that I personally love. Um, yeah, what, like, a fun, uh, original, just such a ubiquitous film. And it's, and it's existing in this really interesting horror universe and it's going to get a, another, there's going to be a third part, so maybe Maxine. When's, that, when's Maxine coming out?
3: Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it's next year. It's next okay. year. Okay, yeah. maybe,
2: you know, who knows? Maybe that'll, because I liked X, and I really liked Pearl, so who knows where Maxine will fit among those three.
3: Okie dokie. What about you, Matt? <sighs> well, for me, I really liked Smile quite a bit, actually, but I'm going to say Bones and all.
1: Oh. oh, I haven't seen it yet! Yeah, I'm seeing stretching <laughs> the definition of horror quite a bit, Matt. It's got horror elements though. I can't I can't blame you. That movie is uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited!
3: It's got horror elements to it. So. I'm
2: literally looking at pictures of Taylor Russell right now. <laughs> like I'm just looking at her because she's so beautiful and every single red carpet look she has coming oh out. Oh my god, she's killing. like she's like not real, like she's like, yeah. a, like a statue, and she just gets the most stunning fashion looks that I've ever seen. I'm like, I'm I'm serious, I I have my phone open right now, and I'm just scrolling through pictures of her. Oh my all god.
3: Alright, um, let's see what the MVP film community did. Let's see what they voted for. So at number 10, yes, bones and all, baby, let's go. There was before bones and all, and there's after bones and all, you all will know when you see it. Okay. <laughs> Number nine is Prey.
1: Huh? Nice. That movie is kind of awesome. Oh, oh. I
3: mean, I, I I kind of agree with what how it was uh, with what Dan was saying before. That does also kind of stretch the definition of horror because it's more action. I think.
2: I yeah. thought you were talking about that um, spooky. Uh, exorcism movie pray for the devil that i keep oh. seeing trailers for and don't want to see <laughs> no, <at all. laughs>
3: number eight fresh
1: fresh is no a comment. lot of fun but i did have fun with that
3: technically tv movie but come on i'm letting it slide
2: be nice matt
1: it played film festival
3: number seven scream the new one
1: <laughs> that was also surprisingly good.
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I really enjoyed Scream quite a bit. I think it's actually the best one next to the original. Number six is The Black Phone. Nice.
2: I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, but I want to. I really want to.
3: So good. It would make for a good rental. I'll oh, say that
0: Yeah, I think it'll okay. play oh, great. at yeah. home. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Number five is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Nice. Yeah, that was great.
2: I wouldn't, I, again, I don't know if I would consider it. I mean, it's like a slasher film, but, like, it's kind of too silly to be a horror
1: film. I don't know. It's not even really a slasher.
3: <laughs> number four is Pearl.
1: Nice. Yay.
3: Number three is X.
1: Nice.
3: Number two, and by the way, between number one and number two, it was a difference of 19 votes. Wow. Number two is Barbarian, mm-hmm. and nice. number one is Nope.
1: Nope. I So here's the thing. Barbarian has a better use of nope than nope does.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Barbarian is a movie that plays so well on the first viewing.
1: Oh, It's so good.
3: I, I just always tell people, like, watch it knowing literally nothing. It's currently stream on HBO Max, so... Try to watch it without knowing a single thing, and
1: you'll probably have a good time. apparently Disney Plus in some territories. That's so funny. Amazing.
2: (laughs) I went into – I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in a theater with a friend, and the trailer for uh, Barbarians started playing. And I literally closed my eyes and covered my ears and said, tell me when it's over because I don't want to see. (laughs) I don't want to know what happens.
3: All right. For this week's poll – some of you are going to roll your eyes at this, I think, a little bit. But for the release of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, there have only been 50 movies that have grossed over a billion dollars at the box office. Which one is your favorite?
0: Can we just talk about how you said there's 50 movies that have done this when, like, what, 10 years ago there were, like, three?
3: I <laughs> it, it, it's, it's pretty insane, like, how much the Hollywood studio system, like, the model – has just shifted towards we need like every single movie to be engineered in such a way to gross these kinds of figures.
1: Are we talking adjusted for inflation here or not?
3: Sorry, Dan. No. no.
1: Well, then that's bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, Matt, Matt, I respect
0: your question. Uh, we can definitely answer your question. But I have a better question, which is what's the most ridiculous movie to have grossed a billion? Oh, there I there are that. definite answers to this I question, can't sir.
2: <laughs> believe the live action Aladdin did?
3: Yeah,
0: that's that's a contender. That's a contender for ridiculous.
3: Yes, I I think it's absolutely absurd that the Jurassic World movies yeah. continue to oh, still god. do well yeah 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 i minions?
0: think that's insane yeah. <laughs> hey sorry yeah, I, I'm,
3: <laughs> I, I'm at least a couple million of that i love his reaction of minions there that was so great <laughs> um i i too also hate with every fiber of my being the tim burton alice in wonderland movie oh
1: god it's so bad hey, it's hey so that's one bad. of the og
0: billion dollar grocers yeah i know respect. like how
3: how? But like the the thing that like I keep coming back to when I look at this list, right? This is something that I I I think about quite often. But it really came to focus for me when I put this together. There are so many movies on this list that I personally hate. Now you can sit here and say that's a that's that's a you thing. The clearly the majority of the world loves these movies. I sometimes wonder because people really hate the Disney live action. Lion King. People really hate so the Transformers uh, sequels. Like so many of these, I, I just wonder if it's like bait and switch by the studios as...
2: I'm surprised. There's only two Harry Potter m- films on this list.
3: Well, the rest of them all got like kind of kicked out um, or never reached a billion to begin with.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. All those movies, you know, the, the franchise, well, the Harry Potter series ended, what, 2011? 2012? And... um, Truly, 10 years ago, there were not that many billion-dollar grocers. I mean, if you look at this list, oh, so many of these are just from the
3: last five years.
2: Was <laughs> there only it's... one James Bond?
3: Yeah, Skyfall. Wow. I mean, No Time to Die would have made over a billion if it wasn't
1: released during the pandemic.
2: Yeah. I Watch I that on the really, plane. <laughs> the
1: power of Adele, okay? That is why Skyfall grossed a billion dollars.
3: But but, like going back to what I was saying before, though, like I just feel it's it's just so weird to me that these are movies that are the most successful in terms of box office, but they're also some of the most reviled as well.
0: I mean, I don't know. That's a strong statement. I, there are a lot of critically uh, poor reviewed films here, but overall, like when I asked the most ridiculous question, I, it's it's not that ridiculous of a list overall. I mean, yeah, you have the Transformer movies and, and, you know, The Lion King and Aladdin. But I I don't know. It's a lot of them. It's just Jurassic Park movies, uh, Avengers movies, you know, Frozen. Uh, it's not that crazy of a list.
2: Theme park movies. Right. Yes.
1: True.
3: Yeah. Scorsese is shaking right now.
1: <laughs>
3: so which one is your favorite?
1: Look, it's Titanic and it's not even close. Mm well, OK, fine. Avatar. Avatar comes a little close.
3: <laughs> James Cameron, he doesn't miss. Yeah, the man
1: I'm... does not miss. And look, he's going to have a third on this list. So might,
3: might be the highest one.
0: Honestly, he is
1: the king. <laughs> OK, he's the king um, of blockbuster cinema.
3: I'm
0: struggling to answer. I think Toy Story 3 could be my pick. I think the dark, the dark Knight could be my pick, which seems it's a basic pick. It's a basic pick, but come on, it's it's the Dark Knight, um,
3: or even who's gonna say Top Gun Maverick?
1: I <laughs> feel like me. a lot of people are you. going to say Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Honestly, like Nummy. I think that will do very well. Oh no,
3: Eve. To be clear, no, uh, there's only oh, one right, film right, on this right. list. The Lord of the Rings, yeah.
0: Um, oh yeah, the
3: Lord of the Rings. Come on, of
0: course that. <laughs>
3: it's it's in my contract that anytime Lord of the Rings is in a poll, <laughs> I have to vote true. for it.
2: True. I think if I spent more time with this list, I could maybe come up with a little bit uh, more accurate of a decision. So I think I'm just going to call out one film on this list that I liked a lot more than I expected, which is Rogue One. Oh, okay. Because I am not a Star Wars person at all, and I got invited to see Rogue One uh, by my sister's fiancé, and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, I'm just hanging out. And I was like, oh, I like this. And then... Uh, I went to go see Arrival at the theater one time, and I got there and the tickets were sold out, so I was like, oh, well, I'm already here. What can I see? Oh, Rogue One's playing. I'm going to see that again, so I saw it twice, which for me is very unusual, so I I guess I'll give that just like a shout-out, even if it's not technically my favorite on this list.
3: All right, well, head on over to the polls page at nextbestpicture.com and cast a vote for which is your favorite movie to gross over a billion dollars at the box office, and by all means, if you aren't already, feel free to go see Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is coming out this weekend, and it probably, too, will gross over a billion dollars, I imagine. <laughs> it is so good. All righty. Let's answer now questions from the fans. Let's see what the MVP film community had to ask us for this week. Don't you know that you're a crow? Do you think there's a better chance of Best Director going to someone who has already won the award in the past or a new winner this year? Man. Well, it, everything's just so up in the air. The, no, no. How it? No. I Sorry, no. Best Director is going to Steven Spielberg, and literally there isn't even a number two. I'm not as confident <laughs> as you. I think you're probably right. Who is number two to Steven Spielberg right now? Um. I say right now because, you know, Avatar and Babylon still have to come out. I do get right. that, but right. That's high
2: West. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Eve. laughs>
3: yeah. I, I currently have Chazelle at number two,
0: but obviously, you know, that's a placeholder till we see how, how good the film is. Um, look, I, I just don't think we can, we can be that confident yet. I mean, look at how crazy the race was last year. And yes, the person we all knew was going to win best director one, um, But we can't say that for picture and they're obviously closely related. So uh, don't get me wrong. I I am absolutely predicting Steven Spielberg to win right now. So like don't don't get it twisted. But I just I it's not like I would
3: uh, bet money on it right now. Uh, I would. And I feel very confident doing that. Dan, you're the only other person besides me that's seen Fablemans. Do you agree? I
1: have.
3: Oh, Eve, you saw it, too. My bad. I'm sorry.
1: I'm (laughs) sorry. Look, um, I don't. It is far from my favorite film of the year. It's far from my favorite directorial achievement this year. But at this point, I feel like the only person with a legit chance to uh, take that award from him may be Guillermo del Toro.
3: Oh, that's uh, interesting.
1: Nah. I but like again like animated I mean that just
3: goes to show you how much you're reaching for a number two in my opinion <laughs> right
1: like right. will that yeah. even get nominated like I don't know I I would love for it to be like Park Chan-wook but <laughs> the, the, exactly <laughs> like I was that. gonna
3: say now you're hope I dictating
2: laugh,
1: laugh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Here's like that's not thing, going to happen like there's a I, to me, I'm not even sure that he gets in, like, in the quote-unquote international slot, because there are so many of those movies that are fantastically directed and being pushed hard this year. Like...
0: Yeah, here's... My know. my my thing with it is that we... Uh, obviously, The Fableman is in a phenomenal position this season to to win Best Picture, um, and I think, you know, that's what I'm predicting right now. It's very likely, um, but there is there's many different paths that this race could take i think there's a world I, where I,
3: I think the best picture can take different paths i think director is going to spielberg no matter what
0: i just can't say no matter what no. i
3: think because i think in the world where
0: banshees takes best picture or um Mark is not winning director for banshees i i don't i'm not predicting no, I, that he is but i'm just saying i think if there's a world where something else is winning best picture than the fablemans um of course spielberg can still win even if it doesn't win best picture but i I I just can't. I'm not ruling other people out in the same. But way who? But
3: who? Who then is the number two? Sarah R- Pauly? Well, uh,
0: I I struggle to see. She's not winning best best uh, director for.
3: for like, like 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 how you're saying that there are possibilities and you're saying that there's like a chance. But like I'm not hearing who. Like I I don't hear a compelling argument uh, as to I who will beat him. Literally just said Martin McDonough. Um,
0: Oh. <laughs> I think there's also I think there's also a world where everything everywhere uh, all at once. I I could see a world where that surges and the Daniels win Best Director. I am not predicting yeah. it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying you're saying there's no chance anybody else wins, and I'm saying yeah, I think there is a chance that the Daniels, you know, in in that world could win. So um, and Damien Chazelle. I mean, we we don't know what ba- Babylon or, or even Avatar. We don't know what those uh, are going to do. So I. If if anybody's going to challenge Chazelle or Cameron, totally could take down Spielberg if the movies hit big.
3: All right, uh, Nicholas Mueller, do you think Pinocchio could score a best picture nomination? Yes.
0: Yes. I, yeah. Cool. My, my question is, I still haven't seen Glass Onion. Um, um, it feels like those two are competing for a similar sort of spot. Like like the, it's not it's not a it's not in the director conversation. It's not in like a threat to win best picture sort of thing. It's a more populist quote unquote um, movie. So I feel like glass onion and Pinocchio are, are vibing or are, are vying for that, uh, that spot. So I don't know. I, I do lean towards. Absolutely. I think it can make it.
3: Okay. Kind of an extension of the last question. Connor Lorenz, what nominations do you think del Toro's Pinocchio gets on its best day? On its best day, picture animated Adapted screenplay, score, sound, visual effects, and production design. I think that's the best day.
1: Song. But song. you oh, really song. don't think that you really don't think that on its best day Guillermo could get into director.
3: Movies have been animated movies have been nominated for Best Picture. No animated movies ever had its director nominated. So until that's one of those until I see it, I'm not I'm not yeah. gonna predict it.
1: I I, I, I get what you're asking. Like he is the he is that movie. He is the campaign.
3: No, I totally get it. But I just don't think the director's branch is ready to do something like that.
0: I agree. And because he is not the sole director. Right. So right. He, he co-directed with is uh, his name, is Mark Gustafson. Yeah. Um, and listening to the Q&A last night. Yeah. Um, uh, Uh, It feels clear that this is uh, how do I say this in the most respectful way? This is a this is a Tim Burton, Henry Selick situation, in Uh my opinion. Um, Now, Guillermo del Toro did is a co-director on the film and obviously his name is on the project. But as I was listening to the Q&A last night, um, I was thinking, okay, I think Mark did a lot of this. Um, and I think it's Guillermo del Toro's vision and he is the heart behind the film, all that. But that's that's what gives me pause on the director nomination. Um, I mean, among the fact that that's never happened before. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's actually there.
3: Oscar Odyssey, what are your thoughts on the two screenplay categories this year? Will we see the best picture winner come from there? Since the Academy has swung to rewarding scripts with directors attached, does that hurt a film like The Whale?
1: I mean, it <laughs> Sarah Polly is. Like how it said before, it is absolutely winning adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is no way anything else is going to come close.
3: This is why I've been saying that there are only four films that can win Best Picture, in my opinion: uh, *Fableman's*, *Women Talking*, *Everything Everywhere All At Once*, and *The Banshees of Inisherin*. Right now, those are the only four I think could win. And the reason why I say that is because they all stand a very good chance to win uh, the screenplay categories.
1: I, I get that. I get that. I think that the original screenplay category right now is way more interesting, even just looking at what could potentially get nominated there because the movies there are frankly to me more exciting in that category.
3: Sure.
0: There's just not a lot going on in adapted.
3: I actually think adapted is really exciting because it is reminding me of 2017 where it does feel like we have like a set five or so. And if we don't and it's more fluid, it does lead me to wonder if we could get, like, a surprise cool nomination in there somewhere.
0: Glass Onion. Well, yeah, I think – well, Glass Onion feels set. Uh, I think – is that one of the set ones you were referring to?
3: Yeah, I think Glass Onion is pretty set. I think White Noise is also looking pretty good in there as well because I think they're going to respect the uh, the adaptation.
1: Has the unadaptable tag.
3: Right, right. But – And and I mean, like this would really, I know, like ruffle some people up. But like, what if like something like Top Gun Maverick did get into adapted screenplay? That
1: That would be hilarious. It it would
0: be hilarious, but that's not crazy. No, it's not. There's there's room in the category and I think the Academy's going to love it. And so, yeah, I mean, I I think it would be
3: ridiculous. But but I really think more realistically, uh, something like living, getting in there makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Even bones and all, to a degree, I just yes, that's another one. Mm-hmm. It's
3: not, and it's not an
0: academy-friendly film, but you know.
3: And good. I will be pushing for this. I know it probably won't happen, but like I think Marcel Vachelle with shoes on still deserves to be in the conversation for adapted. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, l- let
0: me ask this. I'm looking at my predictions right now uh, that I haven't updated since AFI. I still have the sun. <laughs> in um, oh well
3: you're definitely going to change that now i imagine said, it could
1: happen
0: i know that's it why i'm asking happen. i'm like i'm like i i think the screenplay is trash but uh, i'm trying to decide if it's going to resonate with the academy or not i i don't have it getting nominated i have it at uh at seven right now or eight but um i don't know i don't know i could i i kind of don't want to write it off totally yet but i'm debating
3: Richard Houlihan, which film do you think could be this year's Black Panther, Ford v. Ferrari, or Nightmare Alley where it gets nominated for Best Picture but only with below the line categories? Uh, We just said Top Gun Maverick. I think that's very possible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, also very possible. Same possible for uh, Avatar and uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I think. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Benny Dawson, since Best Cinematography almost always matches with the best director, best production design, or best visual effects winner. Do you think that means, based on the current frontrunners, the race for cinematography is down to The Fableman's Babylon or Avatar The Way of Water? Kind of hard
0: to say when two of those films we haven't seen yet. Yeah.
3: (sighs) I'm, like, slowly coming around to the idea that Avatar will probably win this again, but I'm resistant towards it because I don't agree with the first film's win either, so... I know that there's, like, a lot of technical innovation that goes into Avatar, but, like, I I can't get over the fact that it's all created within a computer, though. Um, I know it's shot on a soundstage, like, you know, beforehand using the motion capture. And in this movie, they're doing the stuff with the underwater. Like, I get all of that. Like, I get it. And there's camera work involved. Like, I understand. Uh, But I just think something like Top Gun Maverick. Which also had to like innovate to capture uh, aerial footage on like anything that we've ever seen before, like and capture it all practically in camera with very little visual effects work. I don't know. That, that, I think that's just a personal preference though for me.
1: I could really see Top Gun Maverick winning cinematography a la Inception.
3: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that is interesting. I currently have Top Gun in 10, but I'm definitely thinking that that's too low. Uh, yeah. I think it could really get in. I don't know. I, I, depends on if Fableman's winning best picture that obviously you know it's about film I haven't seen the film I'm the only one Uh, but uh, it seems like that could totally win I don't know I'm I'm kind of thinking Babylon is not going to be a winner I mean unless it is just like unless it's our best picture winner
3: I mean of these three films that were listed here as an example Avatar is the only one that has a realistic shot of getting best director best production design and best visual effects nominations
1: What? oh yeah well Babylon won't get visual effects probably
3: yeah right Austin Daniel, why hasn't A24 released the whale trailer yet? Do they fear a backlash or are they just letting organic buzz grow? Um, I I think it's both.
1: Yeah, I think
3: that they definitely are trying to mitigate the discourse that will surely come. Um, And in doing so, like, you know, kind of a good thing that's coming of it is it's building intrigue. People really want to see it.
2: I really want
3: to see it. <laughs> I, I actually think that if they were to release a teaser that had no new images at all, maybe had just like voiceover, uh, like, like think of the mass trailer.
1: Yeah, they could definitely do something like that.
3: I almost think if they structured the whale trailer like that. That would be an even better way to, hey, here's your trailer, everybody. Now go see the movie and pay money to see it in the theater.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean especially since like the amount of buzz that it has created and continues to create just based on people reacting to Brendan Fraser alone, they almost don't need to do anything more than that. Like they don't need a trailer like Avatar The Way of Water did not need to release a trailer in order to make money. Yeah, I feel I, like the situation is kind of similar with The Whale. It has enough buzz where they just need it to announce the date that you can finally see it, and that's it.
2: Yeah, I, uh, like I said, saw Banshees yesterday, and I saw what was arguably uh, Brendan Fraser's main competition in Colin Farrell, who I absolutely loved in the film, but I did kind of think to myself that it didn't really seem like an Oscar-winning performance to me, um, even though I think it will probably get nominated. Uh, yeah, I don't – I feel like when's the last time we've ever been so sure of a, of a person's win before the movie even comes out?
3: Well, here's the problem. We've been here before where we thought somebody would win this early, and it doesn't pan out. Um, I can think of a lot of cases where this happened. Like, I mean it reminds me a lot of the Mickey Rourke-Sean Penn race in 2008 yeah. a lot. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, Scott Kernan at this moment if this was a year of five instead of ten nominees for best picture What do you think would be the best picture lineup?
1: Okay, this is fun. Interesting question. <laughs> oh, oh, okay I,
3: I know four of them Banshees everything everywhere all at once the fable and women talking
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with those. I think the fifth is the whale honestly Wow Because it has the passion votes People who love that movie love that movie and people are crying and they mark it down on their ballot and it's the best actor front runner, which helps.
3: I'm going to say, I'm going to say sight unseen Babylon because it just seems like the kind of movie that gets like a lot of below the line nominations plus an acting, you know, I I think it's just one of those large hall movies, you know?
2: Yeah. I would not, uh, again, I have not seen this either, but, um, all quiet on the Western front. I think the hype that that is, you still
3: crazy. have not seen all quiet on the Western front
2: because I want to wait for it to be re-released in the, in the theater
3: theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, respe- I respect I, it. I,
2: Thank
0: you. I'm thinking that all quiet doesn't get into 10 anymore. Um, Oh no. Go yeah, right. But I do. I'm, uh, Babylon is a question mark, so I kind of feel like the this game is more fun with not including Babylon. Um, so I agree, Fable wins, women talking, Banshees and everything everywhere. And then I'm kind of feeling, I think Top Gun could get in in that scenario. Um, it's, it feels like in that year, in that sort of, I, I think it could break in still. There's so much passion
3: for I, it, I disagree so. only because when I think about like, the The Academy's mentality back when we did have five nominees, maybe with today's Academy, I would agree with you. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, about. this is still the same Academy that like didn't put the Dark Knight in the top five. Yeah, I guess
0: I was playing the game with with today's Academy. So, yeah, you're probably right. But then they wouldn't back then they wouldn't come close to touching uh, everything everywhere all at once. So.
3: All right, well, that'll do it here for questions from the fans this week. Thank you so much to the MVP film community for submitting these all the time. We really, really appreciate your support. Uh, Before we go here, um, I do want to uh, let everyone know that we do have two very exciting Patreon uh, podcast reviews this month for upcoming theatrical releases. Uh, We are going to be discussing All the President's Men in anticipation for She Said, one of the great uh, journalism movies ever made. And in anticipation for Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, we will, we will be reviewing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So I'm really, really excited to dive into those. Uh, Evo Day, where can they find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Eve on Film.
3: Dan Baer.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film.
3: And Daniel Howitt. You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK for my last day at AFI Fest and you can find me at next best picture thank you so much everyone for listening to